0: This is your other brother's podcast.
1: Welcome friends to Your Other Brother's podcast, Navigating Faith, Homosexuality, and Masculinity Together. From the Jewel of the Blue Ridge, my name is Tom, and I'm so glad you are here. Joining me today on our 2021 year opening spectacular episode, it's from the other side of the state, the city of Oaks, our other brother, Ryan. What's up, Ryan? Hello, everyone. Happy New Year. Happy New Year in (laughs) mid-February. And if you didn't recognize that chuckle from the Midwest, some would say the mid-best, the city Mm. of forts. It's our
2: other brother, Jacob. What's up, Jacob? Hello, hello. It is good to be here. It is good to be back. New year, new me, new us. Just good
1: stuff. Yeah, you say new. That's like the key word for this, this whole introduction. There is so much new right now in the world of Yob, And I'm about to get to all of that. But first we need to say what this episode is, What, what what's happening, what's happening in this episode. Um, because you guys we're talking about something we've never talked about <coughs> on the podcast, which is a little daunting, but it also inspires something in me that it feels like, okay, yeah, we haven't talked about it yet. And now is the time. If ever there were a clear time to talk about it, now is the time to talk about it. We're talking about gender identity and somebody just wrote a book about gender identity and the church. Dr. Preston Sprinkle. He is going to be on the show later today and we're going to talk to him and I am so excited. Are y'all excited? Yes, I'm <laughs> so
3: excited.
2: Jacob is grinning from I can't
1: ear wait. to ear. I can't wait. I have been, yes,
2: I have been feeling pumped and giddy about this uh, this episode for many, many days now. Been in the so works I'm ready. For,
1: for a while and uh, yeah, he's, he's written a new book and we've all read it and so we're going to discuss it and It's going to be i just i just know it's going to be a fantastic conversation so stay tuned y'all finally i get to talk to a doctor about my problems (laughs) Hmm. i've i've talked to 17 doctors for the last (laughs) i'm I'm doctored out on that respect but i see what you're saying and i share also in your (laughs) eagerness um yeah so stay tuned for for that conversation but first before we get to that y'all I was, okay. It was probably two or three weeks after Christmas, after we recorded our Christmas spectacular with, with Nate, Jacob's brother, um, where I suddenly realized I completely forgot to implement what I had planned to be a Christmas tradition on the Yobcast. Do you guys remember what I did for (laughs) y'all slash with y'all last Christmas? Do you remember this? Yeah. You sent us gifts that we didn't want. (laughs) What was that? (laughs) No, no, just you. And I, by the way, James, <laughs> I still owe you a dishwasher cleanse. I haven't loaded yes. dishwasher right. yet. My acts yes. of service to you as my Christmas mm, gift of twenty was to wash your dishes. And I oh haven't had an opportunity to visit you in the last year. Bummer. Pandemic. Oh, no. <laughs> so I still my owe dishes you dishes have
2: been piling up ever since. <laughs>
1: But I complimented. I gave Ryan words of affirmation on his hair. I remember doing that. And so, uh-huh. yeah, the the love language is Christmas <laughs> gift spectacular. It would have been so much fun with you guys to do that again, and then to have Nate on as well to pick an, a mm. random envelope and to to get a love language centric <laughs> gift from Tom. That would have, I I, I spent oh my I spent a solid week in yeah. mourning that I forgot to do that. That I didn't even think about it. Mm. So I'm so sorry, you guys. Will you forgive me.
2: No, I think uh, Christmas has been ruined, and and, and both uh, of our joy birthdays is gone too. Yeah, both of lost. our birthdays yeah. is
3: passed. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So,
2: I turned, I I turned uh, thirty. Happy thirty uh, two Jake weeks enough. ago. Or, yeah, ish. Thank you. Uh, and my my dishes are still not clean. So it's been a sad, dark, uh, dark year.
1: I'm so sorry for
2: only that reason.
1: I'm so sorry, and and happy belated birthday to Ryan. I told you guys happy Thank birthday you. on your birthday, but the the listeners are thinking Thank that I you. forgot. And I did not. Well, yeah,
2: there isn't. There's no, an evidence just, of that. So, but anyway, I just didn't get any
3: uh,
1: words of affirmation on my body <laughs> during uh, during no, my birthday. No, you have to pick the right envelope. That's how. That's how these things mm. work. Um, in any case, happy belated Christmas, y'all. I'm sorry I don't have envelopes. It's the economy has been tough on all of us. That's what I have to fall back on. So it's yeah. just been. I, yeah, no. I didn't have just the spare envelopes to uh, cutbacks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I get it. The postal but,
3: service just isn't isn't. Doing too well right now. No, not at mm-hmm.
1: all. So maybe 2021, maybe this is the year we get that tradition back on track. It's pretty a lame tradition when it's only happened once in two years. So hopefully it can happen. I
2: mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be lame if you actually receive the gifts that you were promised. But okay. when an entire year goes by and you <laughs> haven't actually gotten what you were told we'll you're go- going to get,
1: yeah, then it's a little sad. Jacob, when I'm vaccinated and in remission, I am hopping on a plane to <laughs> Fort Wayne to do your dishes. So Woo! stay tuned for that. Um excellent. So yeah, that was, that was my disclaimer. I needed to get that out of the way. Now that we're back, the back, the show is back on the air. I needed to put that out there to you guys. Um, but that's, that's okay. Now that we got that out of the way new, that is the, the key word for Yob right now, because our website, you guys, have you, have you gone to our website lately? It's totally different. Totally different. Um, Mm. Big shout out to one of our authors, Daniel, who is our technical wizard. He does everything now um, for the, for the back end of the site, keeping it running and making it look as good as it does. Like he did a fantastic job working on this. So huge shout out to Daniel, who I know is listening right now. Um, And if y'all are yobbers out there who know him, who, who are friends with him, um, shoot him a message of thanks and congratulations and affirmations and all that um, because he deserves it. It's, it's been great. Our, our website, it's become more to my, it's come to more to my attention that our website is being more and more accessed by people on their phones, which someone like me who wants to just live in the old ways of doing things doesn't want to believe that. But I think three out of every four visits to our site basically is via mobile device. So our re one of the main motivations of doing the redesign for our website is to make it entirely more mobile friendly, which is, is already, yeah, as I've been clicking around and swirling and swiveling and all the things you can do on the website, like I'm definitely noticing it's way more. Swirling? Yes, just roll with it. Swiveling? It came out of my okay. mouth and I had to keep going. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm just so grateful and I'm so enthusiastic. Um, there was a bit of a break, uh, a bit of a longer break than I expected. I wasn't expecting the Yobcast to go dark for basically two months, but um, but rest assured, all of those hours that would have normally gone into a podcast were going into a website and um, and I'm just super excited to see. Um, where our community goes from here, because we've also launched a secret discord, which I'll talk about late, uh, later, um, big shout out to the gamer boys (laughs) out there. Um, and non-gamer boys too, alike. So, uh, yeah, a lot of new stuff with Yob, uh, you haven't been to our website in a while. Check it out. Your other brothers.com and you can catch up on all the newness. So you guys, this is where Tom gets emotional because over the holidays, um, it was special. Like the, the holiday itself, Christmas day was the most bizarre different Christmas of my life. Cause I didn't spend it with family. I was, I was staying here in Asheville um, for a myriad reasons and was honestly feeling a little down, but then like, I think it was eight thirty or nine in the morning. I got a notification that someone called the Yob line and left a message. And I was like, Oh, that's sweet. And someone was wishing me a Merry Christmas. And I was like, wow, that's so Aww. special. Someone, one of our listeners, one of our supporters decided to take, 30 seconds out of their Christmas morning to call me. Like, how special was that? And then it happened again, like 20 minutes later. And I was like, wow, another person decided to call me. And then little did I know I was on a journey, you guys, because for the next 18 hours, like all day long, Christmas, like, I don't know, I don't know how they did this, if it was strategically planned this way or what, but it was pretty much fairly consistent. Like every 30 minutes, every 45 minutes, another message, another message, another message, our dear yobbers wishing me a Merry Christmas and just so grateful oh. that Yob exists and that they're part of this community. Like I, by the end of the night, I was just like, no more, stop. I can't take it anymore. No. No more. <laughs> uh, I think in all it was about 25 or 26 voicemails. I lost, I lost track. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it was, it was so many. Um, and I say all that to say, we're going to play all of them right now. No, we're not going pr- <laughs> to play all of them, <laughs> but I'm going to pr- play one of them, um, which I thought was extremely special. And you'll, you'll, you'll hear why when you listen to it. So, so let's, let's play, let's cut to that message right now.
4: Hey, Tom, this is Nathan. And
0: this is Eli. We were just calling to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We hope that you're feeling all of the love from your other brothers this Christmas. But this call wouldn't be possible without our beloved sponsor. That's right, Eli. We'd like to thank Macaulay Calkin for sponsoring this call to the Line. Because of all people,
4: he knows to
0: home alone for Christmas. <laughs> Thanks so much, Macaulay. And thank you, Tom, for all that you do. Merry yeah. Christmas, Tom.
1: So thank you guys for calling me. You have no idea how much I smile. Whenever people reference Yob stuff, like outside of our podcast or outside of our blog or whatever, like (laughs) I just get so tickled. Like the fact that Macaulay Culkin sponsored that voicemail, I am just beyond grinning ear to ear. So thank you guys for thinking of me and thank you everyone else. Um, I didn't, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just so grateful. Thank you guys for taking the time out of your Christmas day to call me. And I'm so grateful for, for this community. So thanks for being a part of it. And then we got another voicemail over the holidays. So thrilled that we got so many voicemails over the holidays. Um, and this comes from our good old West Coast. We have a, a rising West Coast contingent here here in Yob World. So let's go to the West Coast and uh, listen to this one. Hey, this is Brendan,
4: and I am
3: currently road tripping down the West Coast. Um,
4: and to kill my time, I have been binge listening to all of the logs that have been released. So I just wanted to thank you, Tom, for all the effort and the work that you put into creating those. Um, because you have been keeping me company as I drive
1: down the five. So yeah just keep up the good work. Thank you so much, Brother, for that call. Um yeah, the Yabalog. the Yabalog took like a long winter hibernation. It was, it was gone for a while. And I had so many people asking me where, where is it? Is it gone? Is it just (laughs) dead? Are you, are you sick of doing the bonus stuff? And I was like, no, but for a while, things just got so busy. We planned a digital retreat. we were rebuilding a website and, and something had to go. I had to like cut something out of my life for, (laughs) I thought it was only three weeks. You know how in your head you think like, it's only been a couple weeks since you last worked out or whatever. And it's been like, oh gosh, it's been six months since I last did Mm -hmm. something healthy. Anyone relate? (laughs) 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 but uh yeah there we we had about two months of buildup of uh yabalog content and so i took it upon myself while we we had a yabcast break i was like i'm going to i don't care if it kills me i'm going to get all of this bonus content sifted out and put out um and so for all the binging that you did on the voicemail um there there are new episodes since since that since that call came in four brand new yabalogs if you haven't checked out the patreon feed in a while Um, for all of our all of our patrons on Patreon, um, we put out four Yaba logs over the holidays, over the January. So um, plenty of bonus content out there. And I'm so glad because Jacob and Ryan, you're heavily featured on those episodes. And like, we would have missed (laughs) so much. Like we would have missed Jacob's rant against my underwear. That wouldn't have made it onto, no one would have ever heard that. Um, I'm assuming- (laughs) Translation, Tom edits out a lot (laughs) of
4: us.
1: (laughs) Jacob, I'm assuming at this point, you burned your six pack of Warriors and Scholars. I can't imagine you're still wearing it after your diatribe against yeah no
2: triad. i i i have them still because i'm not mm. i'm not one who likes to like yeah i'm not one who likes to uh throw out uh clothing for just
1: cuz i don't you like you could them. be one of but those I'm, people who gives it to goodwill if you you guys ever oh, feel weird when you okay. go to goodwill and you see wearing yeah. it and it's like no I, I didn't yeah that's not that's
2: not a thing um well, but i I, I will keep them in the in like the off chance that every other hair that I own becomes dirty. And it's like the last resort. Like I have okay, to wear these because right. they're the only we thing. All need,
1: that yeah. We all left, need so. emergency underwear. That's, exactly. that's legitimate. That's good to have. But then real quick. So we had, we had underwear corner with Jacob and then um, something else on the Yabba log, You guys were almost a year to the date. It was last Valentine's day. Happy Valentine's day. My bros. Mm-hmm. Um, it was last Valentine's day. You guys, I don't know if you remember this. I'm sure you do. How could you forget that? I announced it on the Yabba I met Stephen Curtis Chapman no. on Valentine's <laughs> Day. And you can nope. listen to the whole story nope. on the Yabba <laughs> Just go back to Valentine's nope. Day last did year. You, you, cannot did you, use, meet him? you cannot use that <laughs> yes, verb. does not apply
2: in what happened to you. <laughs> I knew, knew
1: we I know it was him. Stephen Curtis Chapman. Nope. I took an over the shoulder picture to prove it. So there it is.
2: You're a <laughs> creepy stalker. You met no one.
1: So the end. I I say all that. I hope that tempts anyone listening who's not in on the action. If that appeals to you whatsoever, um, head over to patreon.com slash your other bros and um, five bucks a month. You can listen to the abalog We would love to have you aboard in our community. Um, as of now, there's a new private. This is so this is so fancy. You guys a new private RSS feed for yabba logs so all the information is available on our patreon to subscribe to our private feed and you can listen to every episode as we shoot to now put them out on a monthly basis y'all y'all continue to reach out to me if five weeks goes by and there's not a new yabba log because i will not let what happened over the last two months happen again (laughs) you have no idea how long it took to sift through all those files but i'm so glad i did i felt so relieved So, so like my palette was cleansed, like, okay, all of these clips, I'm now seen the light of day as they were meant to, and now we can move on with new content. So I'm going to try to mm-hmm. stick to that monthly rhythm for the Yob blog. And as I hinted at earlier, so many new things happening in Yob, we have a new private Discord server. And prior to our digital retreat in December, I had no idea what Discord was. I knew gamers used it I was like, but we're not gamers. Why would we have a discord? Patreons had this capability to connect to discord for a couple of years now. And I've just never clicked that button because I'm like, we have enough on our play. We have a Facebook group. We've got, I'm running a podcast. We have videos, we do blogs. So there's just a lot to keep up with. But uh, we did the discord experience over the digital retreat. And I got to say, I was just in love with the organization. Um, just how easy it is to, to keep up with things and separate things to where they belong. I, I, so much more of a seamless experience than facebook groups sorry sorry facebook i know there's a lot of love for facebook in this trio (laughs) here um (laughs) so we've launched this new discord and we would love to have you aboard um if you're already at yabra you're welcome to come on over shoot me a message if you'd like access um if you want to join in the fun if you're an anti facebook person for one reason or another um like me (laughs) like Ryan, Ryan's active on the discord. So, uh, come on over. We would Mm -hmm. love, love to have you some really great things. There is for a while there and it keeps coming back. There's a lot of star Trek talk that keeps coming back. Um, I don't know why we have a lot of Trekkies in our midst. So shout out to the Trekkies. I've done my part, done my best to steer the conversation to Gilmore girls. That is where (laughs) I've tried to take it. Um, and it's succeeded once. So I'm trying to get it back to Gilmore girls at some point, which another plug for the Yabba log. I talk about Gilmore Girls on the Yabba Logs, so you can check that out. If, if there's any Rory fans out there, please get in touch with me. Um, but the Discord is open, and we're we're loving it so far. So um, we hit an amazing goal on Patreon: 200 patrons over the holidays. I think it was like Christmas Eve. It was either Christmas Eve or Christmas Eve Eve. Um, we hit 200 patrons. And for the last few months, I've, I've been saying, when we hit 200 patrons, we'll we'll bring back the combo cast. And basically what that means is every single week, usually on a Friday, I do my best to put these episodes out on Fridays. Um, sometimes if y'all show me grace, sometimes it might be on a Saturday afternoon at 4.30. Um, but <laughs> the plan from here on out for the foreseeable future is to alternate back and forth for, um, with these new episodes of the Yobcast and the Cast. And so if you're a long podcast person, this is the podcast for you. We usually talk for about an hour um, about some theme, some topic relating to faith, sexuality, masculinity. And if you're more of a short podcast person, these 20 minute episodes of the ConvoCast will be one-on-one conversations with me and members of our community, members outside of our community, but who are loving what we're doing and supporting what we're doing. Um, It's like an awesome opportunity to just have these conversations, which can be completely silly and, and casual the whole time, or we might get into some deep conversation for 20 minutes but um i'm excited to to make the rounds because there's a lot of people that i've been wanting to talk to in a one-on-one format and i'm excited to finally get to do that so stay tuned next week when the convo cast makes its i guess season premiere is that what the kids say we're going to come back yep <laughs> we did this it's really depressing <laughs> to think that we did a run of convo casts a year ago it's been a year since this happened but here mm-hmm. we go we're doing it again and the plan is to keep it in the rotation um as a huge thank you to everyone who's supporting us. So thank you, Patreon, for all the support. Apple reviews, they're a thing. <laughs> they exist. And we love them. Thank you guys for rating our show on Apple Podcasts. Um, we got a rating review, five stars over the holidays from X Kid Seven. And I'm debating, I'm I'm curious. X-Kid, like, is he a mutant? Is he an X-Man? Like, before you become an X-Man, are you an X-Kid, right?
3: You have to be, or was he like once a kid, but he prayed the kid away?
1: Oh, and then seven, the number of perfection, God's holy number. Mm. Is that how that is? A lot. Of, I don't know. There's a lot going on. I there. love that. Yeah. A lot of, <laughs> a lot, of, a advice, of yeah. a lot of metaphor <laughs> and imagery in this sing in this simple username, um, but Xkid7 said, "Finally, knowing I'm not alone," and he had this to say. After seven months of discovering and catching up on all of the available podcasts, I can finally write my review. I'm forever grateful for this podcast, Yob and Tom. Before discovering Yob, I had never met any other Christian man who is SSA and pursues God's design for marriage. I felt so alone and frustrated, thinking I am some anomaly. But after I found Yob, I've heard countless stories and voices similar to my own. I've never been so encouraged that I'm not on this alien journey and that God does indeed have a plan for me and my story. This podcast is both fun, challenging, and inspiring. I absolutely love Tom's energy and hope to find a friend like him in my life. Tom, I think you're hilarious. The most impactful episode for me has been attraction. A part in that episode was shared that is a similar thought I've had myself, but always been ashamed to voice out loud. Hearing someone else say it made me feel free from the shame and hopeful that I can be free from those thoughts as well. I look forward Mm -hmm. to all that Yob continues to push out still in 2017 as I catch up on blogs for more inspiration to grow in my own journey, thank you, XKid Seven. That Aww. made me smile thank so you. much. I yeah. I thought it's about editing, ed, excuse me, editing out his comments toward me because I don't want to sound like this is like all about me. But I appreciated that affirmation. I was like, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to say it and I'm going to accept it. Thank you for affirming my sense of humor because Lord knows I am not affirmed by my sense of humor often. So I will take that. <laughs>
3: Tom, you need a microphone in front of you more often. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was here like, Tom, wow, you're so vulnerable and sad. And I was like, I attach to your sadness and I I get what you're feeling. So when someone goes out of the way to say I have a good sense of humor or they think I'm hilarious, I'm going to take that to the bank. So thank you.
2: I mean, I would also hope that like doing these, these episodes all of this time with me that I would help affirm that too because I basically laugh at like you every do. other thing You're that a good you say and so <laughs> I would hope that would also the you chuckles know chuckles are helpful a positive yeah. for you
1: I I enjoy the chuckling response it's so affirming to say something and to have it audibly reciprocated because I although part of me the masochistic part of me craves the awkward silence too and it's like yeah of course that wasn't mm. funny why would they think that was funny and then move on
2: that's a good four me.
1: yeah gotta balance it all out but in all seriousness thank you xkid7 for taking the time to do that we really appreciate it when y'all yeah, thank you rate and review our show and by the way moving forward as of now, this might change later, but as of now, the ConvoCast and the YobCast will all be on the same feed, which we're calling the Your Other Brothers Podcast Network now, now that we have multiple productions. Um, so, when you leave an Apple podcast review, you can also review that, or you can reference that if you'd like, if you haven't rated it yet. I think if you've already rated it, you're done. You can't you can't go back. You can't edit it again. But, um, but if you've yet to rate and review our show, you can now do it with both of our shows, you could talk about one and not the other, or you could talk about both. It's entirely up to you, but, um, but yeah, we're, we're at least rolling with one feed for now. We might change that later, but we'll see. we'll, we'll, we'll look for the feedback when it comes in in the next 18 months. <laughs> no more changes for now. I can't take any more changes. We've done so much. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta keep some kind of consistency now for the next hmm. six months at least. And then you guys there, this sponsor has been so eager to come aboard and throw their hat in the ring because I'm so nervous. <laughs> Don't be nervous. <laughs> no, I was nervous too. When I looked at the <laughs> landscape, I was like, who will step up to talk or to sponsor this conversation, which is a raw, gritty, hard, um, often confusing conversation. But because of our guests, Sprinkles is sponsoring this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Sprinkles are so fun. You put them on cupcakes. You put them on... Mm-hmm. Regular cake. You can put them on Mm -hmm. donuts. What Mm. else can you put them on, you guys? Muffins? Cupcakes, donuts, (laughs) ice cream. Ice cream. I knew I was forgetting something. Yeah, yeah. Ice cream, yeah. Mm -hmm. Or frozen yogurt, if that's more your jam. Frozen yogurt. Yeah.
3: Or just, like, normal yogurt. Or
1: normal yogurt. Yeah, I've never done that, but you could. Awkward silence. (laughs) There it is. But uh, (laughs) thank you, Sprinkles, for sprinkling your goodness. On this episode and on this conversation, I'm excited for uh, for the next hour to come. Well, y'all, super excited for our next guest for taking the time to join us today. Um, he is the president of the Center for Faith, Sexuality, and Gender, and Gender rather. He's an international speaker, podcaster. Uh, he's written several books, including the one we're going to talk a lot about today, called "Embodied Transgender Identities: The Church and What the P- and What the Bible Has to Say." Um, He's also the author of People to be Loved, Why Homosexuality is Not Just an Issue. And um, he and his wife have four kids living in Boise, Idaho. We've never had a guest from Idaho. I don't know that we even have listeners from Idaho. I'm not sure. But um, Preston Sprinkle, thank you for joining us today.
4: Thanks for having me on. I'm super honored to be here.
1: Yeah, super excited to talk about your book. We've all read it. We're excited Mm. to dive dive into it. We've never talked about gender identity On the podcast it's been referenced briefly by certain authors on our blog so it's a very like like open range like wide open topic that we've hardly really explored here at your other brothers so i'm excited to just like we're all excited to pick your brain and kind of hear what went into the book and kind of dive a little deeper and so just super excited to to have you here
4: cool yeah i'm yeah i would love to hear your thoughts i mean i you guys you know it's um the, the intersection between sexuality and gender is is an interesting one. I think sometimes they get conflated too quickly and yet we can't completely separate them. Hmm. So yeah, I would love, I'm really honored to be here and love, would love to hear your thoughts. So
1: yeah, um, real quick before we start though, because I love to make jokes, like my favorite memory of you, Preston, because I went to, you held an event in Fort Wayne and that's where Woo-hoo. Jacob and I met you a couple of years ago. <laughs> forget, what year was that, Jacob? Oh, Jacob, uh, you were there wait, too? 18. Jacob was there. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. No. 2018. Yeah, right. Yeah. that yeah, was so Oh, sweet. I had awesome. More hair is
2: great. <laughs> yeah. I did. Yeah. This. This wasn't quite <laughs> this. I recognize
1: him. Yeah. Um, but. And it was like, and it was a fantastic conference. I loved mm. it. Super awesome. Super like encouraging to, to meet the people to hear what you had to say. But like for whatever reason, the thing that I remember from that event was you used this app. I forget what it's called, like Slick or Slack or Slate or uh, something like Slido,
4: that. Slido, Slido, yeah, <laughs>
1: Slido. Okay, I was like, I was trying to remember what is that app, whatever it's called. But you. It's like a really cool thing because people in real time can like submit questions and other people attending that event can vote on the question that they want to hear you talk about and it goes like and it's like on the big board and you can see the questions changing positions like every five seconds and like (laughs) and you talked about some some deep you know question question like things that people want questions about but like i remember the one that far away got the most likes was is your name really Preston Sprinkles, <laughs> and not sprinkle? Yes, Preston Sprinkles, Sprinkles. Yeah, of
4: course. <laughs> like I, and, should, yeah, I'm, I'm one person. It should be in the singular. Say, right, but yeah,
1: right. I guess if there's, if you're talking about your family, you're the Sprinkles, right? Right, right It's just exactly. you. You're a sprinkle. Yeah, yeah. But I just that that's the funny thing. I remember whenever, inevitably, whenever I think about you, I think about your name. I'm sure you hear things Sprinkles, about your name time, I
4: still but, get people yeah. that email me. You know, dear. Preston Sprinkles or Doctor Sprinkles, or yeah. i like if yeah, my mom yeah, ever not a, a donut shop,
3: you know. <laughs> <laughs> like if my mom ever meets you, she's gonna ask me for the next ten years. How's your friend Preston Sprinkles? Of oh, course, of course, yeah. yeah. How's yeah. how
1: Preston Sprinkles? Do you have another book out, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mentioned I mentioned your book People to Be Loved because it's a uh, you know it's pretty revered in our community. Like so many guys have love for that book. Um, and we have it featured on our, on our resources page, on our website, lots of guys have been blessed by that book and it's just, it's made a difference in, in many guys' lives, certainly within our community. And I'm sure with be far beyond our community Mm -hmm. too. So, um, our community on, on, I just wanted to voice that support and just say, thank you for, for writing that book. It's helped a lot of people piece things together and feel, Mm -hmm. um, like feel like some of their story is, is seen by, by the church. So, so thank you for, for doing that.
4: Well, that, that, yeah, I have to say that honestly means a lot because while many straight people entering into this conversation do so without thinking about it, like I I do so with a lot of reservation and, and, um, yeah, trepidation really. Like even with people who hold to a traditional sexuality, even that community can, or sometimes straight people thinking they can speak authoritatively to that community. Um, sometimes that doesn't go well either. So yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't take for granted just because we might share the same sexual ethic that it's just totally fine for straight people, straight Christians (laughs) to say, here's what you need to do. Mm -hmm. Like, so even now looking back, I still get nervous whenever I think about what my contribution to the sexuality conversation. Um, so yeah, that really does mean a lot that that book has gone over well in your community.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so just to open the conversation, I was, my question that I was going to ask you was, how did you, like, as briefly as you can, but, yeah. you know, feel free to share as much as you want. But it's like, how did you get into this whole, like, world, <laughs> this whole community? That's how I would have phrased the question. But here is what one of our yobbers, we call our supporters yobbers on Patreon. Um, Here's what how he worded it. I was, like, going to read his question word for word because it's, we have so many well-worded people in our community. And I just, I was like, this is so much better than the way I would have asked Preston this question. But his question, and feel free to correct it if it's incorrect <laughs> or it needs modification, his question was, what life event or influences pulled you toward anthropology and theology? Similarly, what caused the shift from Pauline soteriology oh, man. in your dissertation to human sexuality? Do you see these two as connected?
4: Unbelievable. So, <laughs> uh, no, no. So, he, so this questioner might actually be familiar with my more academic interests. Early on, I, yes, that's how it. Is, that's how it sounds. So I spent ten years uh, researching Pauline Soteriology on an academic level. That was my. That's halfway through seminary in the early 2000s, all the way through, maybe about 2013. That was my focus. Um, wow, and and about. Eight people know about that, ex- excluding my wife and my mother. So. Wow.
1: we have a very well-read audience. Let's yes, just say that. yes,
4: yeah. that's I'm, I'm still lingering. Um, yeah, that's amazing. Um, no, there, there is no intrinsic connection between my former interest in Pauline Soteriology and my current interest in anthropology. Um, and sexuality, um, there. I, I think there are. There, there's some interesting overlap there, but no, there, it's not like one had led to the other. I, I, I would say I simply fell into um, the the conversation about gender and sexuality with with no kind of running start, if if that makes sense. Uh, for for me, it really was largely. Um, a pastoral concern that was ignited when i got to know several gay people some christian some not and all of them said the same thing like i i have experienced the church and i've experienced a lot of unkindness i've never met a christian that was kind to me it was something that i heard kind of consistently among um gay gay people both christians and and not non-christian um and and that just kind of threw me th- for a tailspin I was like man that that's just that's that should not be <laughs> you know um and and then that led me into a kind of a whole theological journey and everything that that I wrote about in in people to be loved but um yeah yeah no no I i uh there's there's no intrinsic connection between my doctoral okay. research and my my <laughs> current interests I was- I'm sure.
1: I'm sure that same yabber will will write us an essay about the overlap that he sees. Because I'm sure he already has an answer of, of the patterns and, yeah. and everything, But uh, yeah, yeah. But that's cool. But that just shows like the power of story of someone saying something to you and, and it happening over and over to the point that it then ruminated and whether you know some Holy Spirit involvement mm-hmm. prodding that forward you know, the, the, to see what happened and the journey that would take you on. Like, that's super cool to see, mm. um, to see where it's taking you now, having written these different books and, and resources that are available for, for so many people.
4: Yeah. 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 I wish I had a better story. I wish I had a more, <laughs> oh, no, uh, no
1: worries. <laughs> no lights from heaven or anything like that. No. Yeah. No yeah.
4: Certainly the Holy Spirit. I mean, yeah. I mean, maybe the Holy Spirit piece something together there that I can't, that didn't foresee, you know?
1: For sure. For sure. Well, I loved your book. We all read it. Um, and so we're excited to talk about it and I'm just really excited because like, not that I've ever, I don't necessarily consider myself a prideful person, but there are some things like that when we get to the conversation about sexuality and gender, I thought, because I'm in this world that I kind of like knew, or I certainly know more than most people or most Christians and through your work and through Bill Henson, we had him on the show uh, a couple months ago, all the work that he does with posture shift, like, I have just been astounded by how much I don't know, mm-hmm. and it's been yeah. humbling in the best way—kind of humbling in a mortifying way, but also humbling in a, like, in a way that I'm really grateful for. Especially in the realm of gender identity, like, I know a thing or two more—at least more than one or two things—more about sexuality than I do gender identity. So, so reading this book was helpful because I've learned a lot through Posture Shift, and I've learned a lot um, just from reading this book too. So, I'm excited mm-hmm. to uh, to dive into it with with all of you guys. Yeah.
4: Great. Yeah. It's, I mean, beyond that, even I've, I've had several trans friends, you know, that I've been in dialogue with who, who have obviously a lived experience and they've, they've done more research than the, you know, most people, but I, they've even commented, like you know, as I've been wrestling with them on different issues of what about this, what about that? You know, they're like, I don't know, you, and, and they'll say, like, I don't know, like you're the expert, like let me know. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like, what does that even mean? Like, no, oh, like man. no, I'm yeah. not, you know. But they said, like, just because I've experienced gender dysphoria doesn't mean I, I I'm i an expert on theological anthropology or mm-hmm. Genesis one or you know, all the various um, concepts that come up. So yeah, it's it's a uh, it's an interesting conversation, so yeah, we'd love to dive in. Yeah, with you.
1: yeah. Um, well, I want to start really right at the dedication because you mm. dedicate this book to Leslie, who I've connected with at Posture Shift multiple times. Cool, um, a fantastic human being. I mean, you you reference her, you reference them rather. This is actually a that's a perfect segue. I knew I was going to do that. I knew it. It's fine. Um, yeah. Talking about pronouns, I think that is like. A simple but also a not so simple place to start the conversation with with pronouns. Cause you you talk you mentioned pronouns throughout the whole book. And um and I think that's a lot of that's where a lot of people get tripped up when we when we're like referencing people. You use the phrase pronoun hospitality mm-hmm. in the in the book by calling people what they want to be called by, whether it's he, she or them. Mm-hmm. Um and I just want I'd love to hear just kind of your thoughts or your journey with that. Yeah. Um, because even like all day preparing for that, like I, I had this feeling like I'm going to slip up and I'm going to use the wrong pronoun and, and feeling shame for that. But also Leslie is so gracious. And like, I've, yeah. I've been in the room where that's happened with Bill, not to call Bill out or anything, but Bill, it's happened with Bill. And I'm sure it's happened with you too, where a, the wrong pronoun slips out and just having grace for the moment. But as an English major, like it kind of yeah. took me a while to get around. It's like, how can a, how can a singular person be plural? Yeah. It doesn't make sense. But, but trying to figure out this language and this new, this new language is I, I'd love to
4: to dive into that with you. So yeah, Leslie identifies as non-binary, non-binary, and um, Leslie is a sold-out, faithful believer in Jesus. Um, and uh, Leslie prefers the pronouns they/them. Actually, Leslie would say, "I don't prefer these pronouns. They are my pronouns." Uh, even though even the term pre- uh, pronoun preference can be uh, not not the most helpful term, um, and um, yeah gosh um i I'll be the first one to admit that using these pronouns can be incredibly difficult difficult grammatically just psychologically we we've i mean we're we're just in it's in it's been embedded into our very cognitive linguistic you know experience to use he him she her they them for uh, you know they them as a plural pronoun and so you know, um, I, I still mess up, even though I've I've spent a few years trying to make sure I refer to Leslie as they, them. And, and that's a whole nother story why Leslie prefers they, them that we can get into. But um, yeah, it's not easy. And, and Leslie would be the first one to say there's a huge, huge difference between somebody, you know, kind of aggressively not using certain pronouns that people Prefer that they would use versus somebody that's trying, and so I, I've i I've spoken on stage with Leslie in the room, talking about Leslie's story and calling Leslie she her. <laughs> and afterwards, Leslie you know will tell me, yeah, I had to leave the room because I was really triggered. But hey, great job, you know, <laughs> like mm. so. But you know, Leslie knows that I'm I'm trying, and and I uh, you know I'm I'm. Um, I understand some of the complications, so I guess we can start there. I mean, the, the the pronoun thing is complicated. There's good people on both sides. Some people say no if you use the pronouns, if you use somebody's preferred pronouns that don't match their biological sex, then you're lying to them. You're you're feeding deceit. You're feeding delusion. You're um, you're not speaking truth, uh, and on and on it goes. And honestly, some of those arguments look good on paper. I I, I really mean that. You know, like I I get the um the academic kind of arguments against using someone's pronouns but also i don't know like language is as i say in the book shared social space you have language exists at the at the middle of a relationship so you have two people and you know I'm using hand signals here for those who are just <laughs> listening to this, but like you have you have, you know, person A over here using that has a certain worldview, and person B over here that has a different worldview. And language is in the middle of person A and person B. It's shared social space. So if person A demands that person B must have the same worldview in order for them to communicate, then Is that realistic? Is that helpful? Like that's Mm. just not reality. Like we must meet people where they're at, and so pronouns have become that part of that shared social space. So, yeah, I I think, and and I think we have biblical precedent for this. That you know, God came to us incarnationally. He met us where we're at, where where we were at. He didn't expect to. uh, He didn't expect us to come to Him. He came to us in our mess, in our brokenness, in our sin, and, and met us where we're at, and. You know, I think language um, can can be part of that same journey. So, yeah, I, I like the phrase pronoun hospitality. Um, whether I agree with somebody's worldview or not is kind of secondary, really. Um, that can come later. We can have that discussion later. But if we want to engage in relationship with people uh, we need to meet them where, we're at, where where they're at. And some people are super triggered by certain pronouns. They're turned off. They're extremely turned off if somebody refuses to use their pronouns. So if you want to have any kind of relationship with somebody who identifies as, as trans and, and prefers certain pronouns um, or, or has certain pronouns, um, then I think we can meet them where they're at. Um, in order to enter relationship with them. So yeah, it's complicated. There's good people on both sides, man. But I I do side with the pronoun uh, hospitality view.
3: I, I love how you frame it as hospitality too. It makes me think of, you know, if I'm going to have a friend over for dinner who eats kosher, like I'm not going to sit there mm. and agonize over, Oh, what is, what is me cooking kosher for them? going to, going to imply about my reading of Leviticus and whether those laws are still valid or not. Like, no, I'm just going to, not cook pork. Like it's a matter of hospitality. Like I'm not, I'm not making these grand claims about, uh, about theology in the universe in this moment of hospitality. Like this is just
4: me connecting with someone. Hmm. That's a great analogy. I've, I've not thought of that. That's, that's actually a very close analogy. That's yeah, that's great. Um, Ryan, Score. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> what I remember, I remember, um, yeah. And I remember Bill Henson at one of my first couple posture shifts. He was like, he was like, sometimes Christians think they're being so clever too when, when someone who, Wants to be referred to a pronoun that we're not accustomed to or that tricks up, trips us up like we sometimes christians think they're so clever to then be like well i'm just not going to use any pronouns i'm just going to keep repeating their name over and over again and they won't notice but he was like they won't know <laughs> they'll notice they'll notice it right away like you just keep calling leslie, leslie leslie leslie's going to notice that after yeah. 30 seconds you know it's like you know so it's like any christians out there because i know i used to actually think that too yeah. i was like oh i wonder if there's a workaround to like not even mm. have to use pronouns but but like that's that's yeah. like so much work, and it's not <laughs> yeah. kind either. So there, like, there
4: are times there are times when you can use the name instead of a pronoun. But yeah, if if that's all you do, that gets really over and over. awkward, right. and you're shining a spotlight on the fact that you keep using their name over and over. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> right. It's just not
2: natural, not natural conversation. Right. Uh, so recently, I had I had heard some mixed thoughts about um, whether we should or shouldn't ask people what their preferred pronouns are. Um, mm. Do you have uh, thoughts about like, as, as you've talked to uh, folks, is, is that kind of asking like seen as a mm. a sign of uh, uh, generosity and like reaching yeah. out or is it, is it not felt?
4: Like somebody that you has already publicly identified as trans yeah. or somebody that you, okay. Yeah. um. I don't know. Yeah. I um in my ex in my limited experience, um, if somebody feels pretty strongly about their pronouns, they, they typically will tell you up front mm-hmm. if you have to ask. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, just think out loud here. Is that cool? Yeah, it's kind please. of like don't don't Follow write me. this down in cement <laughs> or something, but like yeah, if you meet somebody who publicly identifies as trans maybe they have revealed that to you maybe you know that um you know be, because you heard about it or something and it's public um i i think it would be fine i think it'd be fine to ask what pronouns what are their pronouns so leslie tells says that the the, the way to word the question is what are, what are your pronouns is the best way mm-hmm. to say it so I, I try to follow that um i, I mean if you say what pronouns do you prefer I, I doubt people would Get it angry at you, you know. Sure. Most people don't mind the term "prefer" anyway, but, um, uh, but I, but I also know some trans people, or, or even like in the de-transition community that used to identify as trans, no longer do. They're actually almost annoyed at the whole pronoun mm. conversation. That, that's where it gets tricky. So if you meet somebody, that, for instance, that might say, "Yeah, you know, I suffer from gender dysphoria." And if you say, hey, what are your pronouns? I mean, if this person they, they might have gone through kind of an ideological shift where the whole pronoun thing is kind of a turnoff. Sure. So that's where I'm I'm a little nervous, like just, hey, what are your pronouns? Like assuming that this is a big deal for them. For some it is, for some it isn't, for some, it's somewhere between, yeah. you know. So yeah, I I um I would typically probably let them reveal to me what their pronouns are if if that's an issue that they yeah but yeah don't just take that with a grain of salt really yeah
1: (laughs) Yeah. it's super reminiscent i mean language is everywhere but it's like super super reminiscent of the whole gay versus ssa label because that those labels can set Mm. off certain people i've always been one that's like ambivalent in the middle like call me Mm. whatever you want i honestly don't care but like but that can that's not everyone and i've had to learn that that not everyone is nonchalant about it and you have to just at the end of the day you just have to learn people's stories and where they're at and where right, they came from yeah. that's that's kind of the 101 of all of this but uh but
4: it can be yeah, it can be a journey that's a great word learn learn their individual story because there is no one size fits all to that mm-hmm. yeah that's good
3: yeah uh what you wrote and and just and other people's writing too has gotten me thinking about how how complex pronouns really are in terms of like the linguistics and and what they actually mean and what the, what we use them for i was thinking about how uh my body is an it, but my body and my person is a he. And you know, mm-hmm. my body bears the biological sex, and my person is somewhat somewhere beyond that. Uh, also, God is not biologically sexed uh, in His totality, mm-hmm. uh, and yet He seems to be revealed, reveal Himself in Scripture as as He, Him, and and that's a whole different conversation of how how our modern English Bible arrives at He, Him for God, right? But uh, but it, it has gotten me thinking about how like, Oh, this is actually more complicated than, um, Oh, that person has X, Y chromosomes. So therefore I like, he is the right pronoun.
4: So that that's yeah. another, <laughs> you're like the analogy Yoda right now, man. That, <laughs> no that, that, that is fascinating that God does not have a biological sex. And yet, mm. Consistently in scripture, he he's revealed as he him. <laughs> Even though he has female imagery, you sure, know, of a mother yeah. and a, a mother hen in Psalm 91 and so on. But like as far as like a an actual identity, he is father, um, he is he him. But that doesn't refer to his biological sex. It is his dare I say his social status, <laughs> maybe it's, you know, mm-hmm. spiritual, social status, whatever, which is exactly what trans people are going to say. Like, okay, my pronouns have nothing to do with my biological sex. Mm-hmm. It has to do with my sort of social role, my social right. status, whatever. So yeah, then that's another, it's, it, it, I mean, it's an inexact parallel, but it's a, it's a significant one as well. So no, that's good. It's good. That's what they pay me for. <laughs> a Dude, that was Yoda. That's Ryan. That's it. That's our Ryan. Um,
1: yeah. To to wrap up the pronoun part of our conversation, like I, so I don't experience gender dysphoria, but but I've been open in my writing and on this podcast that there have been so many times throughout my life that I don't necessarily feel like a woman, but I definitely feel less of a man, and there's definitely like a less like if if other people are capital h capital e maybe i'm little h little e mm-hmm. as like some sort of other third option not not non binary but as kind of this other category and so so i understand on some conceptual level i think what i mean i'll never ex- understand firsthand just like mm-hmm. like no one else here will understand that firsthand but but that's kind of my like launching point into trying to figure this whole thing out of people people who don't feel like their, their gender matches their sex and, and then what, what to do with that. Like I can, I can start to kind of get there when Mm -hmm. I start to realize how, when I compare myself to other men falling short or feeling like I don't measure up um, and starting, starting from there. And so maybe anyone listening, if, if that's more of your struggle, maybe that can be a starting point
4: uh, for you too. Mm -hmm. I love that, man. I mean, that's, that's, uh, don't you have in your, in your, in your branding, like uh, not just sexuality but also masculinity like mm-hmm. masculinity yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah and I, I think that's super helpful i mean there's there's a good number of people who would say that many trans identified biological males are simply feminine gay men is, is how they would again t- thinking of like the kind of the, some of the de-transitioners that maybe went through a trans identity and look back and said i was just a gay man who didn't match up to a masculine stereotype that my culture has defined for me you know um and certainly, obviously a psychological component to this that you know gender dysphoria is kind of a significant reality for for a number of people but yeah i think these gender stereotypes definitely play a play a role um in, in the conversation for sure
1: um gender dysphoria so i wanted to go there because i've heard this term for a while some of our listeners might be familiar with it some may not be Um, so I'd love to hear just like your, your journey with that phrase, that word and how it's received in the trans community, um, as well. And then, uh, something that was just really revelatory for me, there were a couple of things from the book that were just like, "Whoa, I didn't, didn't know that. But like, um, basically when you're talking about gender dysphoria, like sometimes people who identify as trans don't Mm -hmm. experience gender dysphoria, which I was like, wait, (laughs) <laughs> That's is that true? Um, so I'd love to personally. I'd love to get more clarification. I mean, you explain it in the book, but for our listeners, could you go into
4: that and just talk about gender dysphoria in general? That's great. Yeah. So uh I'm not a psychologist, so I'm I'm, I'm speaking secondhand here, having read lots of studies and followed the conversation. So I don't experience gender dysphoria, obviously, and and not, and I'm not a, a scientific specialist in this area. I'm speaking from the so-called armchair, you know. Um, but yeah. So so. In the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, the kind of like guide for psychiatrists um, for evaluating certain mental health conditions, Um, up until 2013, it, it was called gender identity disorder was the phrase psychiatrists and psychologists would use to diagnose somebody who experiences some kind of severe incongruence between their internal sense of who they are and their biological sex in the 5th edition of the DSM they changed they changed the term from gender identity disorder which sounds i mean like a disorder right <laughs> like something's wrong harsh. yeah a little harsh <laughs> um they changed it to gender dysphoria and there was a lot of um ideological um conversations that surrounded that shift some people said We've changed this term, not based on any new scientific um, data, but simply because of ideological changes in our culture. And that's, we're scientists, we shouldn't do that. And anyway, the big, big kind of, a lot of dust was kicked up over that. But gender dysphoria simply describes the level of distress that somebody might feel. Um, based on the incongruence that they experience, but they've eliminated this whole idea of it being kind of a problem. Like something is wrong with you. And yet in order for somebody to get um, a surgery paid for, they need to be diagnosed with a medical condition. (laughs) So it's it's kind of this catch 22. Like it's still this, this observation, this, this label still needs to be in the DSM, but they wanted to remove all stigma Around it, so I mean, and when it comes to sexuality and gender discussions in, in the scientific community, it's just loaded with ideological commitments, and and most honest people recognize that. So it, it's kind of a big mess. Yeah. Um, but but that I, I give all that as kind of background to the, to the fact that today there is kind of a debate between. Um, well, a debate whether um, somebody needs to be diagnosed with gender dysphoria, as it's now called, in order to be truly trans. And you'll see that phrase kind of thrown around. Well, you know, this person isn't really trans, or this child that used to have dysphoria and now doesn't. Now, well, they're not really, they weren't really trans. Um, and so, um, yeah, the, the the biggest debate would be between those who say, in order to be really trans, truly trans, you need to be diagnosed with gender dysphoria. Like, go into a psychologist or psychiatrist, he evaluates you, he checks off the boxes and says, yes, you are actually trans. But then some people push back against that and say, why do I need some white, straight, cisgender doctor as some, my gatekeeper to tell me who I am? If you say you're trans, you're trans. So there's kind of this anti-medical establishment reaction against that that says, no, if you self-ID as trans, if you self-identify as trans, then you're trans. What do you need to be trans? If you say you're trans, then you're trans. And yet, again, the people push back against that saying, no, no, like we don't need some 13-year-old trendy their words, not mine, but like some 13 year old trendy teenager who just wakes up and says they're trans when I've been suffering from this condition mm. my whole life. Mm. And that's why mm. I decided to transition. So yeah, it, it's, um, it, it's a huge, messy conversation, very volatile. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you can divide the community, not, not community. You can divide the kind of viewpoints between those who say, you know, you must be diagnosed gender dysphoria to be trans between those who or and those who say you just if you say you're trans you're trans so the 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 takeaway point is not everybody who identifies as trans experiences gender dysphoria would be the takeaway so if somebody says they're trans don't just assume that they're deeply suffering from gender dysphoria many are but you know some aren't so
2: yeah yeah so that 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 actually um leads in into something that I didn't actually know that I learned from from the book is that um, some of the most like intense and um, uh, severe symptoms of uh, gender dysphoria are like incredibly painful. And like you, oh. you use such a, a powerful language to like talk about how that feels to uh, people. Um, and so I guess like something that I was wondering is that if, if, um, in your interactions with, um, those folks, um, have, have, what, what are the means in that are, that are out there that actually help to
4: uh,
2: alleviate some of that
4: intense, uh, suffering? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Just to reiterate, I mean... So, so gender dysphoria does exist on a spectrum. For some it's mild, for some it's moderate, for some it's pretty sev- really severe. And for the severe cases, man, it's 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 a traumatic experience to simply walk outside your front door, mm-hmm. to be in society that is extremely gendered and extremely stereotyped and to exist in that social environment is is incredibly difficult you know and and yeah i to understand that i just simply asked several people that i know that experienced this for you say hey describe to me what, what is this like mm-hmm. you're try to explain to me what this what what, what you know what, what does this feel like and and that's where i got the descriptions in the book was come come straight from people that experienced this and and it's the yeah it's it should be heart-wrenching to sit down and listen to this and say, oh my gosh, I have no category for what you go through every second, every minute of the day. That's just, it should cultivate compassion and empathy. Um, so as far as how do you alleviate, it, or is it possible to alleviate gender dysphoria? And if so, how do you do that? That's the, that's the debate. <laughs> and there's various psychological approaches uh, to that. Um, I will say this, that there's a good deal of evidence that many people who experience gender dysphoria, and here all I'm doing is trying to like give a summary of my observations on the scientific studies done on people with gender dysphoria. In many cases, gender dysphoria is some in some way connected to other mental health issues going on other life experiences, past trauma, um, other mental health issues, OCD, ADHD, even autism has been shown to be linked to it on some level. And let let me just give this major caveat, especially given my audience, like I am not (laughs) therefore validating the other conversation about same-sex attraction being linked with all kinds of nurture and bad parenting and domineering mothers and absentee fathers. These are different discussions, okay? They're just don't, don't take yeah. one and map it on the other. Um, with the gender dysphoria, there does seem to be a good deal of potential nurture in the nature-nurture conversation that is could be connected to the dysphoria. So, And, and some people, I, in fact, I talked to an atheist transsexual person the other day that said, I mean, she said hundred percent, like it's always linked. <laughs> okay. And this isn't a conservative Christian at all. Um, and she's like, no, it's, it's a symptom, not a, not a innate, you know, part of somebody's being, it's always mm-hmm. a symptom. Um, and she speaks from experience. I, I'm not going to go that far, but I have seen, you know, past many stories from psychologists talking about how they address people with gender dysphoria and when they sort of did a lot of, Digging, They unearth all kinds of things that this person has gone through. So I would say, um, and, and there's a whole school of, of thought that was formulated in part by Ken Zucker, the, the world-renowned leading expert on gender dysphoria, hands down. Um, and before him, it was a, a female psychologist named uh, Susan Bradley, who would also validate this approach. And it's called the bio psychosocial approach not very not a very catchy <laughs> term but biopsychosocial off the top. Yeah. <laughs> and and they have a, a lengthy article published 20 30 years ago peer reviewed multi-authored article that kind of lays out this approach it just talks about you know at f- that the first thing a responsible caretaker should do is explore the full gamut of life experiences, other mental health issues, like like exhaust all the possibilities mm-hmm. of what is leading to this dysphoria. And once those are addressed, if the dysphoria is still there, then maybe, you know, physical transitioning should be um, an option. So I... F- let me just leave it, leave aside the ethical question of transitioning for a second and leave aside my Christian faith for a second. (laughs) Like just from a strictly psychological perspective, that approach makes a lot more sense to me. Um, Let's exhaust all of the psychosocial possibilities that could be feeding into this dysphoria, deal with those, deal with past trauma if it's there and so on. Um, And if all of that, has been exhausted, then maybe um, if the person can give an actual informed consent, explore transitioning. Now, some some people would say transitioning is the only thing that fixes dysphoria. The studies simply don't show that. Um, There's two major studies. One was done in 2011, a Swedish study. Another one was done in 2019, I believe. They were both very longitudinal in nature like they examined a massive population base on the effectiveness and transitioning and both of them showed that transitioning helps reduce dysphoria for some people helps reduce mental health issues for some but it doesn't for a lot of others and it's just it's not the kind of like obvious answer to addressing uh dysphoria um now personally I, i've got ethical and even philosophical questions about transitioning that would that need to be raised but s- simply from a practical standpoint um i don't think that's the quick and easy answer um yeah but th- that th- you know that's the um that's the toughest question i think is if we tell people no i don't think you should physically transition if if you claim to you know if you want to follow jesus and the person says well what do i do yeah. you know for sure I- give you the yeah. answer that if anything yeah. the church needs to surround people with dysphoria with love and community and commitment and tears and prayers and rejoicing and and open up your homes and i'm not saying that's the f- all, but i mean gosh we absolutely need to walk alongside people with dysphoria yeah. if we dare to even speak into this this issue for sure yeah.
1: ryan did you have a question on that before we switch gears
4: Um, just, just a thought, I guess
3: I'm, I'm not prepared to say much about the ethics of transitioning, but, um, but I have, I have friends who've transitioned and I mean, I don't, I don't think they're saying or thinking that it was going to be like a silver bullet. Like, I think they, they saw a long, hard journey ahead of them. And, um, you know, so I,
4: I want to recognize that part of their story too. Yeah. Yeah, And and look, I I've got, a, a, a few friends that transitioned into de-transition, and then detransitioned and all of them would say, this is my journey. Didn't quite work, um, but I'm not going to make a categorical statement for everybody. Mm-hmm. I've got um, at least one Christian friend that transitioned and is very happy they did. And is very much... Pursuing Jesus in that identity, and so uh, you know, I, I, as an as a spectator looking on from the outside, I just want to acknowledge a lot of ignorance on my part on on this too. And yeah, I'm I'm still trying to figure it out. I I can I can analyze the ethics and philosophy of it all, and I I feel like I've done that in the book. But in in terms of just the lived experience, I'm like, man, I I'm I'm still learning. You yeah, know? But,
3: and and I I really appreciate that question of so what what do I do? I think that's like that's the question that our churches really need to be figuring out an answer to. Um, You know, as, as a gay Christian living in this side B world, um, like I am so over people coming out with me, with coming at me with apologetics of here's how we can be sure that we're right. Um, (laughs) Like I need to know how am I going to thrive in the church and not just survive?
1: You don't like church-splaining? You don't like that? (laughs) (laughs) Right, yeah. Church-splaining, what a great phrase. Yeah. Um, The only thing, yeah, the only thing, again, I don't have this experience, but again, I'm trying to find a way to start to bridge that in my own personal ways to connect with people who experience this. I remember in middle school, I had horrible acne, like gushing, bloody, red, splotchy, like all over my face. And there was a solid year or two of my life where I showered in the dark because I didn't want to look at myself in the Mm -hmm. mirror. I could not stand the sight of my face in the mirror because it just bummed me out. Like I didn't want to see that. And so conceptually in my head though, like I always figured this isn't forever. Like eventually this is going to go away. It might last longer than I want it to. But like the concept then of looking in the mirror and seeing whether it's your chest or your hips or your genitals or what have you knowing it's not going anywhere mm-hmm. unless you surgically do something about it. Like that to me is where I start to build some connection in my head and of empathy and trying to put myself in that position. Cause I don't know what that's like, but, but I remember what it was like to hate looking at myself. I can at least start there. And I think, again, if people are looking for bridges to try to figure that, figure this out and connect with something that's so foreign to you, like maybe that's a place that other people mm-hmm. can start as well.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I mean, gender, dis- and this is, debate, but everything's debated in this conversation, but, you know, gender dysphoria could be seen as a subset of body dysmorphia, you know, Um, or even you'll hear people that have gender dysphoria describe their kind of traumatic experience going through puberty. And I know about mm, 80% of females that go through puberty that had a near, you know, like... (laughs) Yeah. Getting your period for the first time absolutely sucks. And I hated getting breasts and I hated giving men grope me up and down with their eyes and the attention just like it's, and it was truly traumatic, you know? And while that might be different than gender dysphoria, there is a similarity of just feeling very uncomfortable in your body on a, on a general level. Um, people who struggle with eating disorders or even obesity or other things might go through the same thing or gosh, people that are very short or very tall, you know, I mean, there's, there is a commonality of the human experience of trying to live in our bodies. And there's so much about our bodies that are given to us that we don't choose for ourselves. I mean, Mm -hmm. can you imagine going through life seven foot two or four foot nine as a male like that? That's gosh, that, that would be, there'd be a lot of challenges there, you know, um, so yeah, I, I think it, I, anyway, I, or, or and we haven't gotten into the stereotypes, but a lot of people just simply don't match up to gender stereotypes. They could be gay, straight, bi, masculine, feminine, or, or you know, or male or female. Um, and they don't resonate with these stereotypes and those can be pretty oppressive. So um, yeah, I think the church should get creative and explore different ways in which people can truly connect on some level with people who, you know, experience gender dysphoria. For sure.
3: Uh, so we can talk about biblical masculinity and we talk about cultural masculinity and gosh, how do we like decide what's biblical and what's just cultural? Do you have any thoughts on that, Preston?
4: <laughs> well, my, my cynical uh, answer would be read the Bible. <laughs> 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 <Boom>. <laughs> so um, I, I would say, and I said this in the book, you guys, probably remember it you know that most of our assumptions about what it is to be masculine or feminine come from culture not not the bible mm-hmm. like the right. bible doesn't form our views of masculinity and femininity i mean you got like as i give in the in the book you know i mean king david who you know great warrior you know but he also wrote poetry was an artist um uh, you know, played a harp and he cried a lot. Like the dude cried a lot. (laughs) Jeremiah wept all over the place. Jesus cried. Like more men are crying in the Bible than women. And and yet in our culture, Mm. that's very much a a feminine stereotype. Uh, Jesus himself, I mean, a single man of marital age who cared for the poor and needy and the marginalized and people of low social status, those are all feminine traits. Um, he he falls, fell short of the masculine ex- expectations in both Judaism and the Greco-Roman culture. And so I, I think the Bible does push back explicitly against these culturally formed stereotypes of what it means to be a true man and a true woman. Um, now, I will say this, on a biological level, given the higher levels of testosterone in most in males, um that does have just simply just biological um consequences or you know byproduct like most males will naturally act in stereotypically masculine ways. Uh, most females will act in stereotypically feminine ways, but there's those are generalities. There's always exceptions to the rule. Um and so you know um most women will be, quote unquote, you know, more emotional than most men. (laughs) And estrogen, especially, uh, you know, for one week of every month, you know, when those levels are all out of whack, like that does have an effect. Like you're a science denier if you say no, it has no effect on uh, humanity or on the human person. Um, But those are all on a general level. Like these are, there's always exceptions to that to that general rule. Um, some men are more, way more emotional than some women, you know, and that doesn't determine whether you're a man or not. The big point to the main point to, to, to make when it comes to quote unquote, biblical masculinity and femininity is, is that these stereotypes, these generalities are never, are rarely if ever mandated in the Bible. Mm. Men are never commanded to not cry. Men are never commanded to be more, analytical and not emotional men are never commanded to you know um whatever play sports and you know eat raw meat or, you know like like it's just it, there's only a couple places in the bible where there might be might be and i talk about the might be in the book um certain commands given to men that aren't given to women or vice versa that men you're supposed to do this but women you're you don't need to do this you know like you know there's only a couple different places in the Bible where there might be that case. But on the whole, men and women are equally commanded to be godly, to be Christ followers, to love their neighbor, love their enemy, be sober-minded, to teach their kids, to do all these things. Um, and they're equally called to that. They're not commanded to be masculine or or feminine. Mm. Yeah.
1: When I look at the fruit of the spirit, I think Ryan, you might've brought this up on one of our podcasts. Like when you look at the fruit of the spirit, like if you find a human being who embodies all of those, like, why is, why does that feel like a more feminine mm. person? Yeah. <laughs> like I don't know if that was you, Ryan, or someone else, but like, I, it's like for me. well, yeah. no, that should be, that should be total masculinity too. It should be like, yeah. Following God, loving God, loving people. But, um, I mean, we could talk about that for a whole episode, I'm yes. sure masculinity and stereotypes, but, um, real quick before you go, like, you give some voice to the, the topic of intersex people. And I feel like this is something I remember distinctly going to posture shift and being like, wait, what, how did I not know this? This is a thing that these are people and, and how it's more common than um, I would have ever thought, let alone even knowing that, th- that these people even exist. So yeah, um, yeah. could you talk about that? Cause I'm sure there are plenty of people listening who are like inter intersex. What, what yeah. is that? I've never heard that.
4: before. So intersex is, is categorically different than transgender. Uh, transgender experiences. Um, Intersex is the popular term given to what medical professionals call uh, disorders of sexual development, or some people call them differences of sex development. So either way, it's DSD. Okay. Um, There's about 16 to 20 different DSDs. And um, the result of a disorder of sex development is some kind of atypical feature in your biological sex and or your sex chromosomes. Um, in And here's the important thing to note is that in an overwhelming majority of cases, people who have some kind of intersex condition, they are still clearly either male or female in terms of their biological sex. So one one of the most common intersex conditions affects almost one out of every hundred people. It's called late onset congenital adrenal hyperplasia, um, LOCAH, um, and very minor condition. Some of the results are in men. A in fifty percent of men, um, I think it's yeah, fifty percent of men might experience a, a more thinning in the scalp. Okay, <laughs> um, for ten percent of women. They might have a slightly larger clitoris, uh, if I want to get explicit here, um, you know, um, and, that, and that's about, about it. And, and yet, that accounts for about 88% of all intersex cases. In fact, uh, some people estimate uh, estimate that about 99% of people with an intersex condition are clearly male or female. Um, now, I, I don't love doing the percentage thing because even if it was even like... Jesus left the 99 to pursue the 100. So I I hate Mm because when we start giving, if we start saying something is really rare, then that could be interpreted as, Oh, we don't need to care about it. And that's not what I'm saying at all. I, what I don't want people to, what I, what I want to correct though, is that people think intersex means neither male nor female. And that's just categorically wrong. And a lot of intersex people are actually offended at that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, um, there are some some more rare cases of intersex, like uh, androgen insensitivity syndrome or uh, congen- uh, congenital adrenal hyperplasia (CAH), where there is a a, a more s- significant blending of male female anatomy, or even uh, the the genes and so on, or the chromosomes. Sorry. Um, uh, so, for instance, I have a friend I talk about them <laughs> them in the book, and here's a case where they are. <laughs> They're not he or she because they have XX and XY chromosomes. They have full male and full female anatomy. They very much look androgynous. Um, Even their own identity. They're like male, female, it's a coin toss. I don't know. I'm, you know, whatever. Um, which makes it pretty traumatic when you get flagged going through the airports and people start looking at each other, like, who's going to pat this person down? Mm. And there are two of Offended, or they're too embarrassed yeah. to ask, what are you? And they're like, I'm both. You can both pat me down because it's not going to matter. You're going to find each of you, you're going to find something, you know? Um, so, um, he, I guess that the takeaway point though, then the reason why I have a whole chapter on intersex in the book is that sometimes people say, because of intersex, therefore transgender is the shorthand way of, um, and it's like, well, what does that even mean? You know, th- these are these are two very different experiences. Intersex is is a biological, identifiable condition. We know what causes these conditions. We can look at it. We can, you know, um, transgender is is a much more broad category that has to do with some kind of incongruence between the body and the mind. And there's a lot of philosophical, even scientific, questions about what is going on in, in the mind there. So, um, the, the, the simple existence of intersex persons doesn't, should not, I want to be super careful with my word in here, um, should not be taken to immediately validate certain perspectives on a transgender experience. Maybe that would be the best way to phrase it. Um, I think we should look at these two as different experiences. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and again, I'm I'm getting this from actual intersex people that say, "Why, why do I keep being used in some pawn in your ideological game?" They're, that's they're going not punchlines
3: in an argument.
4: Exactly. Exactly. And it happens from the and and, and that, that that happens both on the right and the left. You mm-hmm. know the. the Usually conservatives will say it's so rare. Why are you even talking about this? As if rarity isn't related to value, you know? And then people on the left typically say, well, because intersex, therefore a a biological man is actually a woman. It's Mm -hmm. like, well, wait a minute. You've leaped over several things there that need to be kind of discussed. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And one, one other piece that, um, you mentioned that I, um, I, I thought was, was, was really great. And I actually needed to, to hear it is when you, um, you talked about how important it is for us to be very careful when we talk about things being a result of the fall and you, and you talk about like (laughs) about, uh, uh, intersects in with, yeah, with, with those, with those kind of thoughts, because I like, I would, I would have pretty easily said like, yeah, it is. Um, but then like not having thought really, uh, critically, like about like, what does that mean? And like, what, what are the different, uh, implications that I'm then, uh, drawing, drawing out of that? Because I, I, I I hear that a lot with like folks in our uh, community of like our, um, uh, sexual attraction to people of the, the same sex are a result of the fall and because of that everything that I feel towards any other man is completely (laughs) sinful and just like worthless and should be killed and that like that isn't that isn't uh true and, and that isn't helpful and so I would also imagine that that intersex people also like yeah yeah as as you said in 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 the book they can then feel like their entire existence their whole personhood is a result of the fall and there isn't anything good about how uh, they were made yeah. and that's like that is heartbreaking mm.
4: yeah yeah for sure yeah I, I to be honest i had several early readers that really kicked my ass on that one because <laughs> i because I, <laughs> <laughs> I hope i could say that i i because i had the kind of default intersects the fall you know and, and maybe maybe it is I, I wasn't there you know um but like just that flippant Assumption assumes a lot mm-hmm. and it blurs a lot of lines together. So, for somebody who's same sex attracted, like, so does your godly, intimate affection for another man is that fault? Like, where's that yeah. line? Where? Yeah. And, and that's something us straight people, like, it's taken some, some of us still don't get it, but most of us still don't get it. But, like, you can speak we, for we all these straight neat- people. <laughs> <laughs> we have these neat compartments where we like to separate everything and it's like golly like if, if a gay man has a deep intimate longing to be with another man is that is that sinful like right. no well the answer is no okay let's just yeah but like what is the line between intimacy and sexual attraction that that line is super blurry you know and also like what about i don't know i can go on and on but like even with intersex you know as i said earlier uh, you know some of these conditions are so minor that again just to get explicit like how long does your clitoris have to be before it's the result Hmm. of the fall no no but i I think we need to say it like that like because like oh yeah that's Mm -hmm. kind of ridiculous you know or how how you're thinning scalp and and your cells you know like are all my cells in order how much how many of my cells are part of the fall or part you know it's like it's just it it gets to be super complicated to where we can say okay let's just take a break and say created in god's image I don't have it all worked out God can use this atypical experience in a way to further the kingdom you know yeah. um and and I think that's where For our sure. focus needs to be and that's awesome. Ryan, did you have a closing question for our guest?
3: Sure. And this could kind of tie a bow on the whole conversation maybe. Um, And as I was thinking about this conversation, I was struggling to articulate this question. So I wrote it down. So I apologize (laughs) for reading it off a sheet of paper. (laughs) Um, As a celibate gay Christian, I've often been frustrated or disappointed by the kind of just love them rhetoric around LGBT people's involvement in the church. Uh, It's often too abstract and it feels like people sort of easily wiggle out of like real sacrifices and real change and real blood, sweat and tears that God is calling them to. I don't need a birthday text. I need you to break down the walls of the nuclear family and cast down the idol of marriage. That's what it means to love me. I don't need a quick hug on Sunday morning. I need you to learn that my love language is physical touch and I need you, straight man, to learn how to speak it to me. And that's what it means to love me. Um, and so as we talk about kind of the, uh, how much of our calling is to love trans people and people, uh, who are, are in this sort of outside of gender identity and gender experience, uh, like what's that next step do you, would you see beyond just love them? Like in your view, uh, do you even see any like walls or idols that we need to be casting down in our churches?
4: First of all, that's, that's a beautiful question. The way you worded that is spot on. Um, it's easy to hide behind kind of Christianese rhetoric without filling in the content of what that rhetoric is supposed to do. Um, and I wholeheartedly agree that we, it's all it, to say like, good for you, celibate gay Christian. We'll, you know, I'll see you on the other side. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, if we're not becoming the family of God, mm-hmm. then our sexual ethic is profoundly inadequate. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same goes for gender dysphoric Christians. I think the biggest one, the biggest one would probably, probably be the stereotypes. We cannot say you wrestling gender dysphoria. Great. Um, we love you. Um, in fact you should come to our women's retreat where we're going to do a bunch of like knitting and sewing and talking about our feelings. And, you know, it's like, you know, we, we (laughs) when we promote and, um, sanitize cultural stereotypes we exacerbate somebody's struggle with their gender identity we exacerbate in fact we actually turn off a lot of other people that are like right not really feeling super feminine today you know i don't have gender dysphoria but i'd rather go eat some ribs and play basketball than you know go knit or paint pottery or something or whatever. And if you love pottery painting, that's awesome or whatever. Just don't make that the essence of femininity, you know? Um, So yeah, I think the church, I've heard a lot of people say this, that the church is the worst when it comes to these gender stereotypes. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I think that's, you know, I think that, I think if we, if we start tearing down those, those, assumptions that that can go a long way mm. and then just i don't know just yeah. just walking with people and listening and being being willing to understand the conversation you know like when i, I hear people say you know LG, lgbt people they just need to repent from their sin i'm like okay i kind of get what you what you're trying to say with LGBT, although there's a whole lot of questions there but like what does tra- repentance look like for a trans person we're not mm-hmm. even talking about sexuality anymore. We're talking about somebody who could simply be suffering from an unwanted psychological condition. What about, are you gonna say the same thing for somebody who is clinically depressed? They just need to repent. Like, what does mm-hmm. repentance look like mm-hmm. for them? Mm-hmm. What, you know, like, so just our sloppy rhetoric sometimes is so damaging, you know? And I think some of that can be rectified just through some basic education and and being willing to engage the conversation, so. I mm-hmm. Love that. Yeah. And that's
1: why I'm just like, again, to, to, to tie it up, Preston, we really appreciate you for coming on sharing your stories, what you've, what you've taken away on this journey. Cause I'm sure it's been quite the journey for you. And, uh, <laughs> I'm hoping, uh, I'm hoping the church, yeah, it's, I think it's human nature to just kind of want easy solutions and quick fixes to things. We don't want to go into the muck and the mire and learn people's stories and all the nuances and all the challenges and everything. But, uh, I'm grateful for all the new books that are out and, yeah. and you have a new website. I was going to give you a quick plug for Christian sexuality. Do you want to just like tell, tell the people what that's about? Cause I was scouring it the other day and I'm just like, gosh, why was this not around when I was a teenager or something that could have been great for my youth group. That would have been helpful. But um, yeah, what, what's, what, what do you have cooking up there? Yeah.
4: Christian sexuality is a whole, uh, I would say a discipleship movement me and some other people have tried to start, have started um, that helps um, youth leaders, parents, um, disciple Christian youth in a Christian vision for what it is to live out our sexuality in flourishing ways. Um, talks about things like porn, marriage, masturbation, singleness, um, abuse, LGBT stuff, um, uh, VR sex. I and mean, We talk about everything. Um, <laughs> like, what does it mean to be a, a young Christian, a Gen Z Christian, in our sexualized age, how do we pursue Jesus in our sexuality? So yeah, Christian, I think it's christian-sexuality.com, or if you just Google Christian sexuality, I'm sure it'll come up. Um, we just have, it, it's, it's, a yeah, narrative based video series that will help people disciple youth in Christian sexuality.
1: It looks awesome. And you have clips on YouTube too. Like yep. Francis Chan's involved, Gregory Coles, who we're having on the show soon, yes. he's involved. And so it's just like, um, Jackie Hill Perry, like you got some incredible, yeah. it's like the Avengers of like, uh, <laughs>
4: Christians
1: and sexuality. <laughs> like, I love it. Like, what a roster. That's great. Yeah. You, like, you got, you got the right people. Oh, so I'm that's really so
4: cool. stoked with, yeah. 24, over 25 testimonies of people that are kind of woven throughout the, 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 the curriculum. So
1: that's awesome. Preston, thank you so much for coming on, spending this hour with us. Uh, you can find, what's your like your social media handles? What are um, all those? <laughs> yeah,
4: good question. Uh, I mean, my Twitter is at Preston Sprinkle. Um, I think Instagram is Preston.Sprinkle. Is there an at on Instagram? I don't even know. Is it at? Uh, I think so. We'll, we'll have links. We'll, we'll put <laughs> it so people can find Preston. Yeah. Remember, links the most the important to
1: thing to remember is, it's one Preston sprinkle. It's not multiple. Right Preston there you sprinkles. go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep that in mind. You'll you'll find people easier that way. Yeah, and you have an awesome podcast, Theology in the Raw. I love it, and yeah. you have a Patreon too. So, if people want to support you on Patreon. They can check that out in the links as well. So, so thank you, Preston. It was yes, uh, yeah. Thank great, you so Great having much. You. Uh, thank uh, you. Thank so you. Thank you. Pleasure. A Thanks time. for having me on. Of course. See you, Preston. Okay. Well,
2: uh, I think, um, I think that was an, that was an excellent, uh, what I hope is part one out of eight. So a mm. really good start to, uh, to yeah, this, we, um, it felt like we both, uh, covered a lot and yet we still have a long ways left, uh, to go, but he's, he's just such an awesome he was so great. awesome person. And I could listen to him talk about things for for hours and hours.
1: <laughs> yeah, about his Pauline. Oh my what goodness, a Pauline, I, Seteri- said Pauline like f-
2: I also, I also Paul just Pauline was Paul how he's. I also just want to say to that um, who, whoever that uh, yabber is, is that you made me from the very beginning say I'm actually not qualified to ask him any questions. <laughs> right. Mine are all that mine are all childish sure. compared to that. <laughs> so he should be here and I should be not here. But no, I yeah, yeah it's right. um, he's just such, he's such a Uh, thoughtful and uh, wise, humble man. And you can just, you can, you can hear the, the empathy and the uh, grace when he talks. And it is such a gift to the church, especially when it comes to these incredibly heavy, uh, dense uh, topics.
1: Yeah. Word. Um, Thanks again to Preston for joining us for this hour. We just got started on this conversation. I hope we have more podcasts like this, whether Preston's involved or not. Um, hopefully he'll be involved again. That'd be awesome. But, uh, but gender identity, I know that's a thing that, uh, that people experience or people struggle with rather in this community, their sense of, of gender and, uh, struggling, whether you're like me and you, you struggle with like feeling like you're enough of a man or or full on gender dysphoria and, and, and all of that entails like, um, it's been a long time coming to finally have a conversation like this. And we hope it was a starting point by all means, not the finishing point. We hope to have more, more conversations like these moving forward. So, um, if anything you heard today brought up a story or, or like elicited a new realization or something you've never heard before, like would love to hear the conversation continue. You guys can go over to our brand new website. I don't know if you heard, but your other slash podcast, find the episode 73 post on gender identity. Um, And Tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear what you have to say about this episode, about this conversation. And Huge thanks to Sprinkles for not the man, because his name is Sprinkle, Mm. but thanks to Sprinkles for truly sprinkling goodness all over this conversation. It was honestly, I mean, I don't want to sound like a broken record guys, but one of my favorite episodes, just going to say that we've done 73 of these. It's up there. (laughs) It's going to be hard to beat. It's going to be hard to beat, dot, dot, dot. Let's see who our next guest is on our next episode. We'll see. Um, So, yeah, thank you guys for all the support. Much love to all of you as we get into our new podcast rhythm. Stay tuned next week for our first ConvoCast in a year. Who's it going to be? Who's going to appear, you guys? It's somebody, spoiler alert, somebody you have never heard before. So let that sink in. Let the cliffhanger continue. Uh, We'll be right back with that next week. Uh, So for all your other brothers, my name is Tom. This is Ryan. This is Jacob. Reminding you that you are not alone. Even the Sparrow finds a home. See you next time everybody. Bye everyone.
0: Bye. Thanks for listening to your other brothers podcast. Our show is edited and produced by Thomas Mark Zuniga. Theme music is Fear Is Not My Lover by Nathan Russo. We'd love to hear your story. Comment on this or any of our episodes at yourotherbrothers.com Slash podcast, or share a story to play back on our show by calling us at seven zero six three eight nine eight zero zero nine. You can also email us at podcast at brothers dot com, or write to us at your other brothers, PO Box eight four three, Asheville, North Carolina two eight eight zero two. If you enjoy our show, consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at your other bros. Finally. If you'd like to further support our storytelling, community-building efforts, consider becoming a Yabber. Yabbers pledge monthly on Patreon and receive perks like bonus podcast content, access to a secret Facebook group, regular group calls with fellow patrons and authors, and more. Visit patreon.com slash bros for more information. Until we journey next time,
4: we're glad you're with us.